Hello, hello, my friends. It is Rachel Amade, and you are listening to the Spiritual Exercises podcast. This is where we talk about the Bible. We hopefully dig in a little bit deeper than we normally get to in church on Sundays or on the Sabbath, if you happen to go on the Sabbath day. Um, I will say we don't really dig deeper than some of the teachers that I get to go to. So if you're looking for a church in Colorado, I have a couple congregations that I love to recommend to you. Reach out to me, and I'll tell you all about them. But um, And I, I quote these pastors and, and amazing teachers often in my podcast, so you might be able to figure out it out along the way. Um, we have some great pastors here in Colorado, and I wonder if it's because, you know, if you can find a really brave, brave church here, there is a church called Brave here, actually, that a lot of people love. But if you can find a brave church here, um, they're going to be some of the strongest places and some of the strongest pastors because we live in such an unchurched state and a state that is not a huge fan, actually, of the biblical way of thinking and belief system. So um, you you might find actually some of the best teachers here in Colorado, although um, there's a lot of teachers outside of Colorado that I actually follow and listen to as well. Today, we are going to continue into our numbers series, which I'm really excited to share with you two numbers today that are unbelievably important in scripture. There's so much depth and we're not going to have time to get into all of it, but I wanted to start today with why. Why in the world am I talking about this to you guys? Um, I, I try every week to discuss things that I feel like God has been laying on my heart or teaching me so that it's fresh, so that it's new, so that I know that I know that I know what I'm saying is right and true. And I have just done a lot of study on it. This week and in this time period, I am reminded of something that happened to me a few years ago. And my why just got reignited again through this. So I've hesitated to share this in depth with many people just because um, I want it to be accurate and true. And so I waited for the last few years to see if what a vision that God had given me, an information he gave me in around March of 2020, I waited to see if it was true. Now, I don't know if that was the right decision. I don't know if I should have shared more than I did. Um, I shared with personal friends and family some of this information, um, some of what God showed me, but I didn't really share publicly because, again, there are so many prophets out there who come out with information, and then guess what? They turn out to be dead wrong. And I'm, I'm very careful about saying, hey, God told me this, or hey, this is just something I think God might be sharing, or I think, you know, is interesting to take note of, because I never want to put words in God's mouth. But in March of 2020, I had a night where um, I felt like God was keeping me up. I felt like he was the one keeping me up. I could not sleep. And I went and I stood out in my backyard and I was just trying to listen to what he had to say. And he directed me to look up some information. Now, again, let me, let me couch this. I believe he directed me to look up some information. I can't confirm this against scripture, this, this particular moment with the Lord. I can't show you a place where, hey, I did the right thing or the wrong thing, you know, according to the Torah. So I'm just going to say, I think God directed me. And he showed me some things that I did not know about certain individuals and characters, global leaders, and what was really coming with the global shutdown and with the possible economic collapse, as well as some of the plans that I think were at play at the time. And I thought, this is just bonkers. 
I, I don't know what to think about this, but I shared it with some of my family and I said, hey, I don't think that we should be um, defiling our bodies with anything that um, we're not aware of what the ingredients are. We we know we live according to the Torah. We know we're not supposed to put certain animals into our bodies. So let's just, whatever they roll out, whatever they're going to do, let's analyze it against the scripture as best we can. But I really think something strange is happening here and that it's not going, it's not what you think it is. It's not going to work. And we need to stay strong and we need to try to be obedient to the Lord, whatever he tells us. And I I let people pray on their own. You know, those in my close circles who I gave that information to pray on their own. Now, I'm not going to share with you the specific people that God showed me or the specific um, plans that I believe God showed me that are taking place right now. However, what I'm going to tell you is that over the last two years, that vision has been confirmed and the things that God showed me have been proven true and the people involved have been proven to be involved. And so I have a high suspicion that what God showed me is something that's happened through all of human history. So a number of podcasts ago, I talked about the human systems of the world and the satanic systems and what their symbolism is versus the spiritual biblical symbolism that we have in something like the menorah. The menorah is shaped, you know, small at the bottom, large and wide at the top, because God is not about its enslavement. He doesn't enslave people. He is all about family. He's about choice. So I'm not um, a super Calvinist in this regard. I believe that from Adam and Eve in the garden, having a choice to choose life or death with the two trees to today, human beings have a choice whether or not they're going to serve or follow Jesus. And that is a fair and just God, in my opinion, and he can fair, fairly and justly um, rule and reign uh, if all people have that freedom of choice. And I think we see that in the menorah, that God says he wants his people to choose him, to love him, and that they're a family and that all share. Um, it's different than the world in the satanic system, which I think really one of the symbols of that system is a pyramid, where there is a tiny one person, one entity piece at the top, and everyone else is enslaved to that. And we even see it on our dollar bill. We see this pyramid imagery. Um, we see this going back to Nimrod, you know, going back to ancient cultures. These sorts of ziggurats and these sorts of pyramids were set up all over the globe. And I think that they are symbols of the satanic worldview, a, a humanistic worldview, and one in which the elites rule and reign over everyone else. And I think that's the system we're still battling today. And for those of you, you know, when I talk about that, you know, a lot of people have things like globalists and World Economic Forum, things like that that come to mind. Absolutely. Yes. I would say yes and yes. God actually likes diversity of nations. He likes diversity of culture. He likes separation of power. That's pretty clear in scripture, especially since he knows that human beings are incredibly sinful and there's never going to be a person at the top that isn't going to be corruptible or corrupted. It's so rare in human history. It's one of the reasons we revere George Washington for all of his flaws. The man gave up power because he wanted to set a precedent and that's something that we have to adore and admire because it's so stinking rare. In fact, the most common form of economic system throughout human history is one of enslavement. And I believe we are still battling that today. My why, 
in remembering the vision God gave me has been reengaged. I'm talking about God's symbolism, God's truths, the numbers and the words used in scripture, because I want God's people to first and foremost be prepared to understand the difference between slavery and freedom, both in the Lord and both on the earth, because if we're supposed to be light and salt, we should be encouraging the opposite of slavery. We should be encouraging freedom. We should be encouraging a system where people can choose what religion they want, what they want to say, whether it be online or whether it be with their friends. We should not be in fear, in constant fear of our tyrannical governing authorities. Those systems always produce death and we serve a God of life. And so it's, listen, it is perfectly okay to understand that you're constantly battling a system of governance where Satan wants to enslave people. That's fine to understand. We're always battling that. By the way, people want to enslave other people too, right? People are evil. They don't, you know, there's a lot of people who are pursuing power and money, and you can see that left and right, right? But it's okay to admit, hey, over the last few years, maybe we didn't see it. Maybe we didn't understand. But now it's become clear that there is both an economic and a physical form of enslavement that is possibly happening. And we want to understand better what God is asking of us at a time like this. And if you can understand God's symbols, God's ways, if you can understand the biblical worldview, you can have a much easier time not only for yourself, but maybe teaching your children these things to prepare for coming end times. They will come. It will happen. We don't know exactly when, but we can know the signs and the seasons, and we can understand God's timing. God made his timing clear in the story of creation. It's very clear, and this is why we're talking about the numbers one through seven and how these numbers line up so incredibly miraculously. Today, that's my why, guys. So we're going to start on the number three today. In the last podcast, we did a little bit on numbers one and two. Um, I am preparing this for a women's retreat. And so I'm going to do a real quick breakdown of these. I'll get to have more time to discuss these at the women's retreat. By the way, I'm starting to do more public speaking. And so that's something I'm super excited about. I love teaching, obviously, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, I love sharing what God is showing me and then having conversations with people about it. So being in a teaching environment with other people in the room, I think is going to be a lot easier for us to have those conversations, but also hopefully really inspiring for people. Um, and I want to mention today that this podcast is powered by Govi. I am using these gas tabs to save money on my gasoline. You guys, I know it's random. It's out of place. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm pretty sure this is a network marketing company. However, this particular product is only available as, as I'm aware right now through Govi. And it's a way for you to save money on gasoline. It's also a way for you to help your friends and your family extend the life of your engine and save money on gasoline. Um, if you're interested in trying it, it's really easy to just try. And you may find it works for you. You may find it doesn't work. I'd actually love if anybody does try it. Um, you can reach out to me if you want to try it. I want to hear back and see if it's working for you. Because if it's not working for a large swath of my friends, I'll totally drop it. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not going to promote anything 
um, that isn't really working for people. But I'm seeing some good results with my car, my driving. I have friends who are as well. Um, so if you want to try it with me, it's it's pretty low cost. I think it's $35 to try five tabs. Um, you stick them in your your gasoline tank when you're filling up. And that's it. You 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 know, depending on how large your tank is, you stick one or two in, you fill up, and then by tanks three or four, you should start seeing um, an extension in your uh, gasoline usage. Which and, and if that happens, think about this: if inflation continues, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with oil prices. It's always kind of a, a strange game. We could talk about that at some point, but. Um, if inflation continues, man, any way to save money, I'd love to help people do that for things that they actually need. And for most of us, we drive to work and we need our cars to work well. So reach out to me if you're interested in trying those out. Um, let's talk about the numbers today. Guys, we're going to start with number three, okay? Now, for most Christians, number three, the first thing you think of is the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I don't call it the Trinity because I think God could be even bigger than that. I don't want to limit God, but I do believe that there are three entities we see clearly in scripture, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is like a family, right? And I talk about family in the book that I wrote. Family is so important to the Lord. Relationship is everything in right relationship, right? Right relationship produces life. So yes, that's part of the number three, but what else is happening with the number three? So on the third day of creation, Plants and seeds were created, okay? And I talk about seeds here because seeds are so important in scripture. So let's, when you think about a seed, think about the fact that in a seed is all the DNA that is necessary to create the plant that it's supposed to create. A seed being planted means that there's there's probability for life to occur and for fruit to occur and for more seeds to occur, okay? So here we have, on the planet, plants and seeds, something is alive here. Okay. And the third feast day. Now I talk about the feast days because there's seven of them. They're listed in Leviticus 23. The third one listed is the feast of first fruits. Huh? Okay. So on the third day of creation, we have plants and seeds. We have obviously the point fruit is being produced. And then we have the third feast day that God gives in Leviticus is the feast of first fruits. So we now have seeds and fruit that will produce life. Remember Yeshua teaches in his parables that the spiritual world is just like a physical field. It's just like the plant life. And the word is the seed, the seed that gets planted, right? And if that word gets planted in good soil, then it produces what? We're compared to trees. We're compared to vines. It produces plant life, which produces fruit, which produces more seeds. Okay. This is the expansion of the heavenly kingdom we're talking about. So third day of creation, we have plants and seeds, the feast of first fruits. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the first fruits of righteousness, the first fruits of the new Adam. He died. He was the seed that died on the cross. And when he rose again, he was able to build, rebuild, build the body of Christ with the ability to produce fruit that would produce more seeds that would spread and continue to produce life. 
okay? He's the DNA, he's right, he's the RNA, the DNA of God who's planted. And now the entire body of Christ can be built because of his resurrection, because of his death and resurrection. Remember a seed, when it goes into the ground, it experiences kind of a death, right? It gets separated from the tree or the vine and it dies. It's separate. It's no longer growing. And it has to go into the ground and be buried, just like Christ was buried. And then it sprouts up to produce something that will produce even more. That's exactly the picture of what God did for us. Okay, we're still on the number three here. So there's more. Um, In the seven spirits of God, which are listed in Isaiah, the third spirit is knowledge. And it is by hearing the word that people are saved. This is what the Bible tells us. And the Bible says, do not just be hearers of the word, but also be doers, okay? So you're going to take a seed that's planted and you're going to actually let it produce. You're going to do something with it. You're going to take the next step. You're going to die to yourself in order to become more like Christ. It is by the knowledge of God that seeds are planted, So by knowledge is how you sow the seeds. Once you understand the story of Christ, when you know your salvation, you get to go out and you get to spread that knowledge to your neighbor, to your friend, to your family, to your children, or across the globe. Okay, so we have three, the number three aligning here. It's talking about first fruits and seeds and life. How incredible is that? And so when you go back and you think about, you know, kind of one of our first understandings of three, which is God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, it is by that union of those three that all the life that we see exists. It is because Yeshua was willing to be obedient to the Father that the churches of God is redeemed, right? And it is, all three entities are present at the beginning of creation. All three are participating in what Yeshua is doing in building the universe. And so three, yes, is unbelievably, incredibly meaningful. But you guys, I found even more when we go look at four. Now, I really talk about four um, in my book, Four and Forty. And it comes up multiple times because Four and 40, um, number one, I, I, I heard this from my sweet teacher, Marcel Murray, who first introduced me to understanding the Bible just a little bit differently um, about eight years ago now, I guess I'd say eight or nine years ago is when I really started um, getting to know Marcel's un- unbelievably great teachings. But he said, wherever you see four in scripture, Yeshua is near. And so I started to test that with four and 40. And sure enough, he was absolutely right. Yeshua meaning salvation, right? Salvation is always near. So you have the, you know, Noah on the ark for 40 days and 40 nights of rain, torrential rain coming down. You have Yeshua in the desert being tested by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. You have Uh, King David going out to fight Goliath after Goliath has made fun of the armies of God for 40 days. You have um, Jesus, after he has been resurrected, he stays on the earth for 40 days and does miracles. Okay, so, and then we have the number four, and we're going to see here on the fourth day of creation, we're going to see with the fourth of the seven spirits of God, we're going to see with the um, fourth 
of the feast days, of the seven feast days, you're going to see this incredible alignment. So let's dig into this. Um, and what we didn't even, I, we didn't even talk about the number three. We didn't talk about the 10 commandments with the number three, the third command, but we'll, maybe I'll come back to that at the very end. So the fourth of the 10 commandments, let's talk about this, is remember the Sabbath. Okay. Remember the Sabbath day. Now, four and seven seem to go together a lot. And so it's not surprising when we go to the Ten Commandments that the fourth command is to remember the seventh day. <laughs> it's really, really cool. Again, hey, anybody out there who's studying scripture like this, do you not believe a God wrote this? Only a God could write this. Okay. So remember the Sabbath. You are supposed to remember that the seventh day is coming. You're supposed to remember the point, which is that seven days of creation is wholeness and fullness, that the seventh day was when all things are com- were completed and God sat on his throne and he said, this is good. This is my ideal. You're supposed to understand that. Remember that Yeshua is coming back to reign on the earth. That Sabbath, that final Sabbath millennium, that is coming Okay, so we're supposed to be preparing like the 10 virgins, five were prepared. We're supposed to be like those five, remembering that the groom is going to return, be prepared. And we practice that every week by preparing for the seventh day, for the Sabbath day. To remember there will be a day of great rest for the whole earth when Yeshua reigns here. That day is coming. Okay, so we have on the fourth The fourth command is to remember the seventh day, to prepare for this. And so I'm, again, always, always, always encouraging you, please keep the Sabbath. It is a command of God for a reason. It teaches you more than you could possibly imagine. And you can go to Exodus 20 to understand how to keep the Sabbath if you're interested. But I think what's also being taught here and... um, there's a quote by Heschel that I'm going to try to look up for you later and share or maybe share at a different time. But it's basically talking about the fact that God with the Sabbath day is building something in a time dimension. God can do this because he can work with all dimensions the way that he wants to. And so in the end of all things, we'll see what he's been building through the seventh day, through the Sabbath day, through the seven, right? And he's building his own universe through that day. And so he wants to see you show up there in what he is building on that, on that day and time. Okay. So the fourth of the 10 commandments is talking about the Sabbath. Um, so let's see here. We talked about 40 days, 40 nights. I'm looking through my notes here. The fourth word in scripture, I find this really incredible. So it's not translated into English, by the way. There is a word called the et, and it shows up a thousand times in scripture. But the English translators, God bless them, they did not know how to translate this word. Um, It's the Aleph and the Tav. We call it the Alpha and Omega. It's the beginning and the end. Okay, but it's this, this God, okay, that they weren't sure how to translate it, the et completely. And so they left the et out. I believe the et is Yeshua. And so when you go to the Old Testament, you think you're not reading about Yeshua, but in John, Jesus says, hey, the the Torah is about me. What Moses wrote is about me. Um, then you go, well, how is that? Well, we don't have the et, but the et is there in the Hebrew scripture. And guess what? It's the fourth letter of the very first words of scripture. It's the fourth word, okay? 
Number four, the fourth word is about the ultimate creator, the creator of the seven days, the one, the only Jesus. And so we know from the very first line in scripture that four and Jesus go together. He is the Aleph Tav, okay? Four, the number four is from the Hebrew word arva'ah, meaning to increase or multiply. And the Hebrew letter represented by the number four is dalet, which means door. Does Yeshua not say that he is the gate, right? That no one can come into the sheepfold except through him. He is the door to God the Father. He is the only way, the truth, and the life. And through him, we get to increase and multiply. He is the first fruits of the perfected Adam, right? Okay. He's also the middle of the seven. So if you were looking at menorah, a menorah, the fourth candle over is the middle candle. It is if you're talking about the seven spirits of God, that is the spirit of the Lord. So right there in the middle, that middle candle that lights all the other lights, that's Jesus. And you see him put this way in Revelation. John says, I looked and I saw a lamb in the midst of seven golden lampstands. He is in the middle of the menorah. The lamb of God is the spirit of the Lord lighting all the other lights. There he is. And so is it any wonder that the fourth command is that you remember the Sabbath day because that's the time that you get to have with the Lord during the week. That's his special time. He, the set apart, the unique and holy God, he has set apart a unique and holy time for you to be with him. It's all about relationship. He is the center candle. He is the fourth day, right? He is, or he is the fourth command. He is the seventh day. He's the seven of sevens, which we're going to talk about here. The fourth festival that you find in Leviticus 23, when you go look at the feast days of God, is the feast of weeks. Guys, many rabbis and scholars agree that this particular holiday is the point of all that God is doing. This middle holiday, the fourth one, the, the, the middle candle and I'm going to show you how that's true. But the Feast of Weeks is the seven sevens, basically. You were supposed to count after Passover seven weeks of seven, 49 days, seven times seven, plus 150, okay? That 50th day, you're going to understand this when you think about the New Testament, 50 is penta in Greek. So we have that 50th day being Pentecost, okay? But in the Old Testament, the feast it's called the Feast of Weeks. That day, that 50th day, is the day when the children of Israel received the law at Mount Sinai. So God in his fire came down from the mountain. He had written the law with his fiery hand. And then in the New Testament, he writes the law with his fiery hand, the tongues of fire, not on stone, but on the hearts of people. This law in the Old Testament and this Holy Spirit version of it in the New Testament Guys, this is unity with the Lord. This was the this is the point of what Jesus did. The law provided a way for the nation of Israel to be close to God so that he could dwell with them in their camp. The Holy Spirit in the New Testament is supposed to help us be close to God. He can be encamped with us. Jesus came for this very reason, to make us like him so that we could be in the holy presence of God again, like Adam and Eve. This is the middle candle. This is the central piece. 
This is the point of the story, God uniting his family. And you can see this in the Feast of Weeks, in the fourth celebration that God gives us in Leviticus 23. Hello? So when, when we, we think God is just randomly giving us numbers in Scripture, no way! He lined these, these, these things up exactly the way he did so that we could see his story. And so teaching this, listen, guys, someday, someday in the future, the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, in the Old Testament, Shavuot, this day is going to have even more meaning. You know, when Christ returns, we will be celebrating these days. That prophecy is scriptural. I believe it's in Zechariah that says, we will go to Jerusalem to celebrate Sukkot with the Lord. And if we don't go, if, if a man doesn't show up from each family to Jerusalem to be with Christ for that celebration, our land gets no rain. That's the, the prophetic thing that's going to happen when Jesus is reigning on the earth. Guys, we need to understand these things because this is what Christ is returning to us. And what he, this is the system by which he will reign on the planet. But this is also going to teach us what he is doing in the end. So guys, I don't know if you've noticed this. Is it any wonder there are seven seals in Revelation, but there are four judgments, right? There are four horsemen. Four and seven go together. They mean something. Once you get to the fourth horseman, which I believe is death, you can correct me if I'm wrong, all the other horsemen are producing death. Once you get to death, you've reached the heart of what the horsemen are doing, right? You've reached the four. That's the middle. That's the point, okay? Four and seven, they have a relationship. And so you're going to see seven churches in Revelation. You see the, the seven candles that the Yeshua is among. You see the seven seals. You see the judgments. All of these numbers, all of these things have meaning and importance, and they align with God's timing from creation, from the first words in Scripture, in the beginning, God, in the beginning, the et, okay? The fourth word is Jesus. It is about him, okay, and unity with him. So there's, there's so much more actually, that we could dig into with 4 and 40. I didn't even get into 40, but this is a long enough podcast at this point. Um, and there's plenty there for you to go and explore on your own. If you have any questions about this, please feel free to reach out. If you would like my book, I would love to send you a signed copy instead of getting it on Amazon, which you you can, and I'm happy for you to go there to do it. But I'd love to send you a personalized copy if you're interested. I love you guys. I'm so glad that I got this out on time this week. And I will be back next week with some of the next numbers in our series on seven.